0: and welcome to this next episode of the TMI Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Rocker Priori, and my co-host for today...
1: Hi, I'm Joshua White.
0: Now, before we get started, I have a very, very special congratulations for today to Joshua White, who is now Dr. Joshua White. Joshua defended his dissertation March 24th and is now officially a Dr. He'll be starting his job at University of Dayton come August and we are so so excited for him. Now, for today's episode of the TMI podcast, we have with us Larry Williams from Texas Tech University. When looking at Larry Williams' CV, it is shocking how productive he's been with his research considering all the other things that he does with his time. He was recognized by the Southern Management Association in 2004. For having two of the top six most cited papers published in the journal of management's 30-year history to that point but what he's probably best known as is the creator of karma the consortium for the advancement of research methods and analysis as well as the journal of organizational research methods orm so since this season is all about methods We thought it would be a great way to end the season by having Larry on the episode to talk about karma and how stock students can get involved and learn more about developing their methods toolkits. So we welcome Larry to this episode. We're excited to have him here. We start every episode with a icebreaker question just to let people get to know you a little bit better. For this season, which is all about methods, we would wager a fair bet that most Uh, doctoral students or faculty did not get into this career to spend all their time on methods when they originally got started. When you were a kid, what was your dream job?
2: Well, I grew up as uh, the son of a coach and with uh, older brothers who were very much involved with athletics. And so all my time through Elementary, middle and high school, you know, I was a, an athlete, and I was just preparing to go to college so I could go somewhere and teach and become a coach. And, uh, but in the first semester of college, I got exposed to teaching at the university level, right, and I got involved with research and kind of made the decision that if I was going to do any teaching I would want to do it at the university level. Just seemed like a natural and it's uh, it's been just a real treat. So as it turns out in spite of a lot of moves I kept my third grade achievement test scores and um, so Uh, We always laugh about those because even then I did very well on applied math. But I think I was in the 60th percentile on spelling and grammar.
0: (laughs) That's fascinating. So you, you eventually decided, you know, you took your college classes, decided you wanted to teach. How did you get from that point to now?
2: So actually the college years like was true for a lot of people who fortunately end up overcoming the limitations was sort of a bumpy time. I ended up, I think at um, four different schools and five different majors in my first four semesters. I mean, I really was struggling to to find myself and um, but ended up uh, pursuing psychology because I was interested in it and it seemed to come kind of naturally and I got involved in um, research as an undergrad and that led to going to graduate school in social psychology. So I started out originally in social psychology at the University of Louisville in an applied social psychology program. I was in, you know, immature, didn't know what I wanted to do, and it wasn't applied enough. And so I um, left school, you know, after two years and had moved back to Indianapolis and was I did my undergraduate work, ended up finishing my undergraduate work at uh, what's now called IUPUI uh, in, in Indianapolis. And I was living back in Indianapolis, and I realized that I could get an assistantship and make more money than I was making working. I was working full-time minimum wage taking care of developmentally disabled kids. I could get an assistantship and be eligible for the intramural basketball team. But the only thing that they had was this stuff called organizational psychology. And I thought, well, that um, they told me it was applied social. So it turned out I kind of liked it and continued my interest um, in research and um, knew that I wanted to go ahead and complete my PhD. So it was just a matter of uh, in what particular area. When it came down, I had the choice to go into the OB program, I figured at Indiana University, I thought, well, I can, I knew that would be a good marketable degree and I could just continue my quant interest Within that context, that was a, a more secure long-term plan. And uh, so that's how I ended up going to IU and uh, not really knowing anything about the people at IU and what their interests were. Turns out it was a program with a rich history and research methods and quantitative methods. And uh, it served me me very well. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, um,
1: well, Larry, you kind of touched on this a little bit, you know, it's very clear hearing about your past that you have a heart for, um, for teaching and mentoring um, other people. And so um, one of the things that we were really curious about is, you know, why did you decide um, to start Karma?
2: I was very, very lucky to have some people who sort of, uh, who were very prominent people who sort of Took me under their wing and mentored and nurtured me and got me involved with, uh, with what was then emerging as the, the research methods community. In fact, at the um, in 84, as a second-year graduate student. Uh, I was at the meeting that was about at the academy establishing the research methods division interest group, because they had a process where you would have to become an, an interest group and demonstrate success before you could become a division. So, Uh, I just found myself in a home that felt very comfortable with people with common interests. We realized that although these pre-conference and post-conference workshops were um, a big hit, they were limited by the short time duration, you know, two or three hours and the absence of any computer resources. Of course, this is before laptops, but at the time where software packages were exploding in terms of the number and the complexity, and so it w- there was seemed to be a natural need for this type of training on software, statistics right most notably during that time period SEM and multi-level analysis are exploding and so that just led to the idea that well maybe there's a place for a university center uh, that could do this stuff where you could Uh, in a university setting, have access to computer labs where you could bring people in and give intensive instruction. You'd have the, all the physical and other resources of the universities. And, um, and we were negotiating to go to Virginia Commonwealth University, I thought, well, now's my chance. And so I built into that discussion and my negotiation that I wanted to start this center. And so when I talked to these, the, my people, that these support, these mentors support my, my community and my family, they all embrace the idea of a, the center for this type. So we moved to. To Virginia Commonwealth, uh, in the fall of 97, Karma was started and January of 98, we published the first issue of organizational research methods and it was, we were good to go. No, oh, that's amazing, Larry. That's great.
1: Um, so, you know, um, in terms of giving advice to students, um, there are a lot of students out there that may, um, May want to get involved with Karma, and so um, what would your recommendation be for a student to get involved? Um, maybe, and kind of, could, could you both talk about you know if their school hasn't one of those institutional memberships, and maybe if they don't have an institutional membership, you know how can somebody be involved both ways?
2: Over the years, we I have taken a long term perspective for Karma, and we have a lot of collaborative efforts with different associations where you can experience some karma events without your school being a member, all right? So for example, that's been the case with the research methods division throughout my career. So, maybe five or six years ago, I developed uh, the proposal for what became the Research Methods Division, Karma, a doctoral student junior faculty consortium. So, this is a series of events that have been hosted um, that are hosted typically during June, and you do not have to be a Karma member to participate in those events. Uh, they're usually four to, four to six sessions. The Methods Division, they provide all of the content And I mean, I let them choose who they want to present and what the content's going to be. We just serve as as the technology host for it. But it is a way of getting online methods education that's involved with karma. Karma is just providing a, a supportive role. In addition to that, we have Another part of our relationship with the Academy of Management is what is called our doctoral student development program, and uh, that is funded by the Academy of Management, and with that program, uh, any doctoral student who's a member of the Academy of Management can have uh, unlimited access to the Karma Video Library. So they don't get the short course discount that members get. They don't get access to the live online events that Karma members get. But we have over 200 hours of recorded lectures dating all the way back to those early ones in the fall of 2004. And you can have access to those uh, for free as well. In addition to that, we have our affiliates program with the Southern Management Association and with the Society for IO Psychology, where you get access, you get a partial discount on short courses. You don't get the full 50%, you get a 25% discount, and you get access to 25 of our videos, but completely free. Okay, so all of those in those particular types of events, you can um, participate in an experience content that's delivered by karma or with the support of karma related to, to research methods uh, education. Um, also, I should say that with our short courses, you can participate in our short courses without being at a member school. You just don't get um, that discount. But even without that discount, our student rates um, are, we are regularly told are, we benchmark them against uh, the competition. They are very, they we, we undercharge. I'm always told every year we charge too little for our short courses. I say, that's okay. We're not making, technically speaking, Karma is a, is like a nonprofit that's a center within a school. So we don't exist to make money. You know, we exist to educate. So, so those are some ways that you can be involved. And we've, we've done, we do workshops at uh, the Academy of International Business, the Bureau American Academy. I mean, we literally have been all over the world doing uh, different types of events that are open to everybody and attending our online events. Those historically, the premier one was our webcast lectures. But we're really excited for doctoral students. For two, two, for two new types of events that we have been offering this year. Um, The first one we call our PhD Prep Group. And this is for doctoral students only. And we have during the course of the year live online sessions um, aimed at methods, uh, resources and training that we don't have in our other content, that we don't have in our lectures and we don't have in our short courses. But more importantly, what we're trying to do with that group is basically develop a sense of community. Then we also have a similar type of structure, uh, our topic interest groups. So these are online content that are different from our webcast lectures that you have access to uh, if you're at a member school.
0: So, Larry, we have uh, one more question for you. We end all of our episodes with this one. It's more self-reflective more than anything and less so about methods or karma. But knowing what you know now, given your stage of your career and all the cool things that you've done, what is one thing that you wish you had known when you first started your doctoral program? At
2: the end of the day, probably, I think the thing that's most important, what I would say is that there's a lot to the process of being a doctoral student that can that can challenge you to the core. And it can lead you to question who you are and what you want to be and how you want to get there, and somewhere or another, nobody can answer all of that for you. And don't neglect trying to figure out the answers to those questions because they drive everything else. And once you get it, believe in yourself. That's that's what I think is the most important thing.
1: I don't have any more questions, Larry, but um, I'll respond to Ashley's question, even though she didn't ask it to me, but um, I just finished defending my dissertation like about a week ago, so I'm on on my way out, and and, um, one thing that I didn't know when I started is that I kind of assumed that academics were, um, as academics, we were supposed to know everything, and I think that one of the things that I really like about karma is that it's... um, there's a humility to this, that there's this outlet that we have to continue developing and, de- and continuing to learn. And that, you know, there's no assumptions made as far as what your what your um, standard of knowledge is, but wherever you are on the method spectrum, you know, karma can help you advance from there. And so I think that, That's part of a larger lesson that I learned as 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 through my PhD is that, you know, wherever you are in this career, even if it's not at your university, there are people in the academic world like karma that will help you get where you want to be. And so um, it's, it's been really great talking to you and and hearing about your experiences and, you know, we're certainly very thankful for what you've done.
2: for, for us and for everybody uh, that's listening to this podcast. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate your interest. And like I said, it's um, it's a passion. And part of what makes it a passion is I believe in science. I believe in good science. And there's just so many good people that I get the chance to work with to do it. You know, this is celebrating our 25th year. And so it's been a there's just a lot of people who have been involved, have been supportive of us for uh, a lot of years, you know, so uh, anyhow. So, but that's great. Well, congratulations on the getting defended and on the job market. You
0: too. Thanks so much for doing this with us, Larry. Thank you so much. It was
1: Great great to meet you, Larry. Thanks a lot.
2: All right. Well, uh, thanks you guys so much. I look forward to our paths crossing uh, either virtually or in person uh, sometime soon. And good luck as the end of the semester uh, is here.
0: So we want to give a big thanks to Larry for being on this episode and talking all about karma. If you want to learn more about how to get involved with karma or to uh, see their short courses or their webinars that Larry talked about today, you could see the link for that in our bio for this episode. If you have any suggestions for future guests or questions that you'd like to ask our future guests, please send them to our email tm at gmail.com. Next month, we start our fourth season, which will be all about networking. We have three really special guests lined up to talk about networking in general, networking with senior faculty, and networking with your peers. So be sure to. Stay tuned for next season to learn more about some helpful insights that you could get before you hit AOM in the fall. We'll also have a bonus episode coming out in late July, early August, all about the job market. So if you will be on the job market this coming summer or fall, then be sure to give that one a listen and check out the listserv and the AOM communications channels for the entrepreneurship division to see when those will launch. As always, thank you all for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you next time.